Hey, entrepreneurs and small business owners. What's trending in small business for 2021? What are smart people saying about what we should be worrying about in the new, new economy? Let's get trendy. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'm Stephen Krause, small business owner, enthusiast, and advocate. And this is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we blend your passion with proven business principles to create practical, actionable, sustainable solutions for your small business. So what's in it for you today? Well, we've, we are going to talk about the business trends that uh, are starting to circulate around the web for 2021. And how do they apply to small business owners? And how can we make practical sense of them um, in terms of what should be we, what trends should we be following and what trends should we leave alone or ignore? And how you can decide what makes sense for your business. Real quick, I want to thank you for watching today. And um, for people who are watching this um, after the live event, uh, the show notes will be at b50p.info forward slash UATTR060. Um, same format as always. And uh, podcast listeners, the show notes page will be at that same address, um, which is again b50p info forward slash UATTR 060. So you can get um, links to resources and kind of an overview of, of the whole show uh, in the show notes on, on, uh, on our website. So uh, as always, we want to keep this practical, actionable, and sustainable. So we're going to look at what are the trends that are out there and are they the things that small business owners are, are the are the topics that people are calling trends actually things that we can practically address as business owners? And, and so I think it's important to kind of go through and say, all right, how do we filter these things? How do we address them in a way uh, where we, or how do we thoughtfully consider what the trends, what trends are being popularized and we also have to address the possibility that we could be wrong. And what do we do about that? So I went, I, I did a, a search, obviously, to find out what was trending. And uh, there were four things that uh, came up on, actually, on the SBA's website in terms of an article, which I will put in the show notes on the website um, at the link that I talked about earlier, um, that really were very succinct. The article short actually really liked it because they didn't go into any fluff. They just said, here are four things that, that really are trending that you need to think about as a small business owner. And I thought they were appropriate. Um, there were a lot of other articles out there about what's trending. I will link one other one in the show notes, but they all had similar context. And I thought it was interesting because the topics, you know, they're saying, well, these are trending in 2021, but they really weren't new, you know, and, and again, we go back to applicability and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but it really was things you probably needed to be thinking about all along, which doesn't really fall under the topic of something unique and interesting for a 2021 trend. So I ignored those. Um, you know, it, 
it, there were talks about, you know, your digital footprint and your marketing efforts and customer service and how customer service was going to be so important. Well, what with 2020 customer service didn't matter. Um, that, so, so I felt like those articles might be good reminders of what we need to be doing anyway, but they really didn't reflect something unique that we needed to address for 2021. And so there's really five things that I, I wanted to talk about. One of them, uh, is e-commerce and e-commerce is a trend that, you know, has been going on obviously for the last two and a half decades, really maybe, but when it comes to what happened in 2020 and how it's changed the small business environment, I think we do have to talk about it for 2021 because e-commerce is a sales channel that we might not have been using as small business owners. We may have been forced to pivot in 2020, uh, as you know, social distancing restrictions came into effect or other you know, other aspects of our business uh, needed to change. Really, e-commerce is simply another sales channel. It's, it, that's, it's a fancier word for another way for customers to consume your products or to make a purchase. I, I think one of the important things to, to really dig into on all of these is really break them down to what they really are and not let them be something more, um, problematic than, uh, or, or more complicated than they really are. So that's the first thing. I, uh, e-commerce is just a sales channel. It's just a way of conducting a transaction. Um, and it is going to matter in 2021 and beyond. What are we going to think about when it comes to e-commerce and our small businesses? Now, First of all, there's this wide gamut of business out there, right? You can be selling a retail product. You can be selling a service. You can be, um, uh, and, and, and the retail product could be, uh, something that needs to be consumed quickly or something that like food, um, or you can have something that you can stock up and you don't need to, to, uh, your customer doesn't need to use it. Maybe you make soap. Okay. And, and so there are a lot of different needs. What I would say is that a lot of, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in the practical action, but applicability is something I said earlier. And I think e-commerce from the perspective of being a sales channel has applicability to a tremendous number of businesses. Okay. Um, I guess I can't say all because maybe there's one out there where there's no place for e-commerce, but I can't think of an example where e-commerce wouldn't have an, uh, a place or an opportunity to, uh, help to offer your customers a mechanism for pursuing or purchasing your product, um, and, and engaging with your brand. So, uh, there are a lot of options out there 
from integrated solutions like Squarespace um, or, or uh, I'm sorry, Shopify. Um, Squarespace may have a shopping cart. I don't know, to be honest. But, but there are many integrated solutions. There are other solutions uh, for people using WordPress that, like WooCommerce and, and stuff like that. And there are integrations with um, other tools that allow you to uh, price and, and sell your products, um, even down to the, you know, some of them even maintain inventory for you. So if you sell one, it decrements the inventory and then shows how many are, are still available to sell. Um, so they they can be very um, robust in terms of feature set. And uh, that allows you to conduct business in a way that maybe you haven't before. And like I said, I think, uh, and we'll talk about applicability later in the practical action, but e-commerce is something that I would really encourage you to dig into a little bit. And uh, if you if you haven't already, uh, or if you have already, make sure that that going forward, you're still uh, reviewing the system that you're using, making sure that it's working for you and optimizing it for your application. Um, one thing I would caution against, especially on e-commerce, is the idea that, well, this is going to be temporary and we're going to go back to always doing everything the way we did it in 2019. Um I think that's a theme you're going to hear the rest of this this uh, show as well in terms of I don't think there's a there's a lot of stuff that I don't believe is going back. Um, it, we may go back to some things being like they were in 2019, but there are a lot of business operations activities and customer facing interactions that are not going to go back. Um uh, I know there are a lot of, there's, there's the restaurant, uh, industry, the travel industry have all been very hard hit. We all want to see those come back. Um, you know, full force being able to, to engage those activities and those, uh, those, uh, businesses like we did before, um, in, you know, in person, um, and, and be, but beyond that, there are a lot of, of, um, businesses that, they're, they may find a lot of benefit from the changes, but they're probably not going to go back to exactly the way things were, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. So, um, and that, you know, just to, to kind of put an evergreen stamp on that, that doesn't, the pandemic and, and, and COVID-19 is a poignant spot. You know, it's a very sharp curve in the road, but it isn't really anything different than what happens in business. The business environment changes and we as small business owners have to adapt to that. And we've had to adapt quickly in this case, but it really isn't any different than something you've already done before. If you've been in business a while, um, if you've been in business long enough, the internet came into play while you were running your business. And that was, also, um, a tremendously disruptive event in the economy. Um, but to be honest, it happened much slower and it may seem like it happened really fast now, but compared to COVID it, it didn't happen fast at all. You know, so, um, so that's the first one. E-commerce is just a sales channel 
And for most businesses, I don't believe it's going to go away. I think it's going to be here forever um, until something disrupts it. And uh, I think it's worth keeping on top of mind and making sure that you've, you've implemented it for your business and are monitoring it as a future uh, ongoing practice rather than as a temporary stopgap solution. So the next one that came up was alternative payment options. Um, this one is interesting and I will accept alternative payment options in terms of payment providing provider solutions, Stripe, Square, um, and there are, you know, other ones, um, you know, can you Venmo your, your, uh, uh, supplier, um, those kinds of, of options are going to be, um, expanding as people, uh, business owners look at ways to disrupt the payment industry, right? Um, Visa, MasterCard, and those payment providers have had a stranglehold on non-cash transactions. I shouldn't say stranglehold. That sounds a little aggressive. They have had a very narrow, um, it, you know, almost monopoly on alternate transactions, you know, between these very, these, uh, a very small group of companies. You know, you've got literally... Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Diners Club, and then Discover, and then what, right? So there really aren't a whole lot of payment providers out there, or there haven't been. And what we're starting to see, of course, is the expansion of payment options. Um, uh, so, and, and explore those for sure, uh, because you may find that using Venmo with your customers works great. You know, I, I don't know. The, it, but it it's something that you need to consider. Are there options that will cost your business less, still get you paid quickly, and will work for your customer base? And that's the piece that we also really need to be thinking about is how can we make the transaction easier for the customer? How do we remove obstacles to doing business with us? And so you may say, okay, I'm going to accept all of the credit card, the standard credit card processing. I'm also going to accept Venmo. I'm also going to accept cash and checks, you know? And so the trick there as a business owner is how do you do that in a way that's still effective and efficient in your accounting system? And that's a different topic, but it's, um, you know, the more that you can effectively reduce the barriers to entry or the barriers to your customer working with you, the better. Um, I will, I, I rant about this sometimes, but I will say what I always say about Bitcoin and other um, uh, cryptocurrency for small business. I don't consider it an option. Okay. Until there is some standardization and, um, you know, honestly, I hate to say it, some kind of regulation that creates some kind of standards that we can all uh, agree to. I just think crypto's too risky for small business owners. Um, and you may disagree, and and that's great. If, it, if you're comfortable using it, then by all means do that. I can't recommend it because I don't feel good about doing so. Um, okay, I'm not going to rant on that anymore. But... Um, Okay, so the next one that came up is remote work. And uh, remote work has some ups and downs, 
right? If you really dig into remote work and you really um, say, okay, this is something we're going to do, you have the opportunity to reduce overhead, right? If you say, okay, we don't need 5,000 square feet offices. We need 2,000 for a showroom and, you know, uh, this group of people can work from home. That can be huge when you're talking about a small company's cash flow. Um, there are considerations around that that you need to think about, though. Safety, and I'll talk about that one in a second. Cost, obviously, we just talked about cost reduction. Productivity, are you as productive at home as you are at work? Um, and collaboration and communication. And those things all matter. And uh, I bring up safety. A lot of that doesn't matter to uh, a retail operation or service-based businesses or uh, something like that. For my directed energy business, um, we actually talked about, you know, when we moved actually a couple of years ago, we talked about, do we actually need this much space? Could we do what we do remotely? And at the time, COVID wasn't really... Uh, wasn't it wasn't even on the radar actually this was a year before covid even even became a thing um but i was exploring what options really were out there for business owners to ado adopt um not just to keep costs down although that's nice but also to provide a a work environment that uh, or a working culture that employees enjoyed and one of the concerns I had is, you know, we have to test high voltage and high power equipment and having someone do that in their home alone, there's, there's issues with sharing equipment and stuff like that. But then there's the issue of safety. If you don't have somebody to call 911 when you're working on high voltage and high power equipment, that could be a problem. Now we've never had an emergency in, you know, 30 years of operating, but that doesn't mean it couldn't happen. And it, there's a point at which you have to be responsible about the things that you do. So uh, we chose for that and a number of other reasons to look for a, a standard facility, which I am very happy that we, we found. Um, but there is a safety component to this. Then uh, we already talked about cost reduction. You can reduce your overhead. That's possible. Productivity, I'll be 100% I'll be honest for myself. I am about half as productive at home as I am at work in the office. And that's an estimate. I don't track my time at home and go, okay, that was 42% less or 63% less or whatever. I, but in my head, I get distracted more easily. Um, there's other things going on at home that all of a sudden I'm, I'm, you know, I can hear people making popcorn or I can hear, uh, um, you know, someone doing something and either my brain starts thinking, I wonder what's going on. Or, uh, then the other thing is in that environment, I am thinking about the things that maybe I should be, or not should be, but could be doing around the house. So it isn't as an effect, as effective an environment for me to work in as the office. Um, now, Everybody's going to, you know, mileage may vary on that for everybody because you may be able to focus very well in your home. You may uh, be able to put up uh, substan uh, substantive boundaries, um, you know, in your head and 
you know, at your door that allow you to uh, remain successful. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I would like to get better at it so that I can spend more time at home and be productive and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that productivity is going to be something to stop people from doing remote work. That's obviously, especially right now in the midst of COVID, that's not an option for a lot of people. So we do have to manage, how are we going to do this better and better? I have been very fortunate that I have an office with no people in it for the most part in, you know, half my building. So when people do come in to work, they're, you know, a hundred feet from me. So productivity may be an option to think about when it comes to remote work, collaboration and communication. Um, this is one of those things where there are tools, uh, that may facilitate this a little bit more, but it is a lot different than working, uh, in an office where you can walk down a hallway or walk around a cubicle and talk to a colleague. So that's an important thing to remember too. I mean, and there are things like Slack and, and, uh, Monday and other collaboration tools out there that you can use and they may be very effective for you. Uh, depends on the type of work you do, the work culture you have. Um, and it may just simply require some work, but as the business owner, that's going to be something that you need to, to look at as you're working remotely. And as we continue to work remotely, um, you know, we're certainly not out of the pandemic woods yet. And if we get good at working remotely, we may be able to, um, again, keep our costs down in the future by not going back to offices. And so that's something to, to consider. Um, uh, the, the last thing from the, the SBA article, uh, was virtual services will remain popular. I almost put this in the category of a no brainer, um, from the perspective of once the cat was out of the bag on this, meaning once people started saying, I can do this service virtually, that's probably kind of a no brainer in terms of it reduces cost. It's faster. If you don't have to travel or people don't have to travel to you, if you can switch from one virtual event to another virtual event, um, you can serve more customers that way, potentially at least. Um, you know, again, we have to go back to, uh, is it, um, effective? And it, I can't answer that for, for a specific industry. Um, you know, uh, if you, uh, the, the one that comes to mind for me is for example, um, uh, therapy is a virtual therapy appointment as effective as an in-person therapy appointment. And I don't know the answer to that. And it's probably very, uh, customer dependent might even be provider dependent. It may be that some, <clears throat> excuse me, some providers are better at delivering uh, a specific kind of virtual service than others. And some customers may be well suited to that versus some customers that are not. So that's something that you have to look at. And, and if you're a provider, and since we're the small business owners, if you're a provider of a virtual service, are you asking your customers, is this effective for you? Is this helping you get what you need from our sessions or, or from our service. 
and or are you assuming that they keep coming back so they must be getting what they want you know so i think it's important for this one uh when you change a business um delivery system you know a product or service delivery system it's a good idea to ask the customer whether or not they're getting the value that they were hoping for from it. And so that's probably something it would be worth checking into is just say, Hey, you know, how's this working for you? Finally, uh, there was a, another article that I went through that had like 15 or something trends. And like I said, in the, in the introduction, um, most of them were kind of, well, you should probably do that anyway. So they're not necessarily unique for 2021 or a unique result of 2020. They're just stuff that businesses are doing now. All right. Well, that's fine. Um, but the one thing that, that came up was technological disruption. And, um, this is going to sort of fall into the category of, um, again, the same thing where we're probably going this way anyway. So is it unique to 2021? Probably not, but I think we've all felt it or there's the perception that it has been more poignant in 2020 and will continue uh, that trend into 2021. And that's how do you create a, a sustainable competitive advantage in a global small business market. And, and I think this is an interesting question um, from a couple of perspectives. One is it, our businesses have changed because if you look for a specific product on the internet, you may find somebody in Europe, starting in North America, you may find someone in Europe selling the product that you're looking for. And if they rank higher on a search engine, they might be the only person you see that's selling what you need. And so what the, um, what we need to be looking at is, are we in this truly global economy? Um, and, and how do you compete there? And so, for example, I was talking a little bit earlier about directed energy when we, when we went, uh, when we moved, you know, we went through that, I, uh, process of looking at whether or not we could go remote. Um, you know, we do compete internationally, but we, we always have, but it's definitely a small business that has an international footprint and, and excuse me, and international customers and, um, and that competitive market is there. A lot of small businesses we're going to see those kinds of statements where, you know, how do you have sustainable advantage when you're a small business and, and the world is your competitor? Well, back up a little bit. Is the world really competing with you? If your service area is Northern Colorado and you're not trying to get business in Ireland, then the, the likelihood of losing business to somebody in a foreign country or 
even another county may be very, very low. Uh, if you're selling food, there's probably no chance, unless you're selling food that can ship and store, there's almost no chance you're going to be competing in a way that will be meaningful to your business with people far away or co companies far away. There's, um, and, and just go down the list of things. If you're, uh, we just had our ducks cleaned in our house. We're not competing. That duct company did not compete with an international marketplace. Um, where this may apply is if you're a small business and you're using the a Amazon fulfillment. And so somebody looks up your product category on Amazon or some other large uh, distribution hub. And if you're selling a commodity, there may be a lot of people competing with you. Okay, fair enough. Um, so you do have to look at that and say, how do I compete when I'm selling a commodity across you know, the entire world, or that's what my, my, my possible sales channels are. I can be selling all over the world. If that's your focus, then you have to address that. If you're focused on providing excellent service in a specific area or for a specific demographic, then your need to worry about the, you know, whether or not you're creating a sustainable competitive advantage over every other person in the world that does what you do, that gets reduced dramatically. And I think it's important to, to get that, um, get that concept, uh, kind of focused in your mind. So you're not worried about something that you don't need to be. And I don't want to say you don't need to worry about it if you do, but that's a decision you need to make in terms of where you're marketing and who you're marketing to. Where do you expect to get sales from? So, uh, and and literally the rest of that whole article, and I will put it in the show notes, but the, the whole article was stuff you should be doing anyway, right? And, and so, or stuff, uh, topics, trends that you should be considering anyway. Um, and, and, uh, I, I guess before I talk about the practical action, I want to talk about, um, the, the whole concept of trends in general. Uh, I'm not a huge fan because I think there's this, um, uh, first of all, the basics of business don't change, right? You need cash. You have to make sales. People need to be aware of your product. You have to be able to manufacture it or provide it. And you have to be able to provide customer service. There's probably a couple of other things, but basically that's business. What everybody calls a trend or a business trend is a trend in tools. For the most part, it's trends in the things or techniques we use to address core business principles. So if you're already effectively handling those, then you don't need, you don't have an urgency to address a trend. And it is important to be careful because trends can be expensive. I grew up in the eighties. I know trends can be expensive and regrettable. So, uh, 
that I just want to say you got to be careful about trends. So let's talk about practical action. How do we dig into this and say, what are we going to do as small business owners in a practical way to deal with the things that we've talked about or other things that you might find? First of all, do we even care about what people would call trends? Yes, of course we do. 100% you need to be looking at the trends in the marketplace because they are the changing tools that are used to accomplish business goals. And business isn't stagnant. It hasn't been stagnant, you know, really probably forever. Um, but certainly in, you know, the, the 21st century, business is never going to be stagnant. There's never going to be a time where you can say, okay, I'm going to start working when I'm 25 and I'm going to do the same. My business is going to be the same when I'm 55 as it was when I was 25. It's not going to happen. The concept of understanding trends in small business and the marketplace and the tools we use, absolutely 100%, we need to be aware of it. Um, so the real question becomes, do we need to implement the trends that we find in the marketplace? And the answer to that is 100%, maybe. Along with 100%, it depends. The, so what we need to do is basically say, yes, we need to look at those things and begin to find a way to implement them if we can identify specifically that they apply to our business. Right? And the first four things we talked about today apply to a lot of businesses. Right? So um, the e-commerce sales channels, um, the, the uh, concept of remote work, uh, alternative payment solutions, being reducing the barriers to doing business with you, stuff like that is going to be important to a lot of businesses. So if you can see how a trend would apply to you, then by all means, you've got to dig in. One of the things in the article that I didn't talk a whole lot about today was this concept of everybody's got to have this super in-depth digital footprint. That's an assumption based on how you acquire your clients or your customers. If that doesn't apply to you, if having a digital, if the investment in digital footprint doesn't result in uh, revenue, then that's not a trend you should be following. Now, only you can make that call, but you have to understand how that trend might apply to your business. So um, if you can see how it applies, 100% yes, figure out a way to, to start making it happen. No, if you don't think it's applicable or what if you don't have resources that are required to make that happen? Now, this is where we get into some kind of, you know, what are we going to do about it? If you say, I need to do e-commerce, or I need to deal with remote work for 12 people, but you don't have the resources to make that happen. Maybe you don't have the expertise or, or maybe there's an expense that, that is going to come up. Maybe you need, um, maybe you've shared an office phone for 15 years and now you've got 12 people who are going to need separate lines. That becomes a pretty expensive, uh, potentially a pretty expensive, uh, uh, idea. Well, that's okay. 
you may have to go back and say, all right, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I see the value in it and I'm going to figure it out. You put it on the, I've got to do this list, but I don't have to panic about it. Okay. And so you start looking for resources. You start looking for alternatives. Um, let's go back to the communication thing. You know, if you get 12 cell phones for, uh, 12 people, that could be a pretty, pretty big cell phone bill, right? Well, if you back off from that, and this is just an example and you say, okay, what are the alternatives to that? And how can I implement them? Are there voice over IP products that will provide numbers that can, can be an extension that will just forward to somebody's personal cell phone? And are they okay with that? Is that okay for them? Um, some people may, some people may not, that's a whole different deal, but looking for alternatives that can fulfill the need, but maybe not be exactly the first thing that came to mind. That's what we're going to have to start doing is research. So if we see that it's probably valuable, but we don't know how we're going to do it, we have to put it in a category of let's work on it. Don't forget about it. Do the research, implement it when you can. Um, the other thing I want to be really clear about here is you got to keep your ego in check and realize that you could look at a trend and be wrong about it. And you may have to deal with that later. We're human and we're small businesses. We don't have resources to chase every trend and we don't have resources to identify the applicability of every trend. So we may choose to chase a trend that doesn't end up having value. You may, um, uh, for one of my businesses, I ran some, some social media advertising, uh, as an experiment. It was a complete waste of money. Okay. That is a huge trend in small business advertising right now. Did not work for me. That's okay. Right. That's okay. Um, but we have to keep our ego in check and say, this isn't working and stop it. Or, or you may say this isn't working and why, and then you may try a different piece or a different tack. Um, or you may get six months down the road and go, oh my gosh, I really do need e-commerce. And the, the important thing there is to um, focus on what needs to get done and not on, not, not on the regret of not having done it in the first place. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. We're all going to do them. That's part of running a business. We're all going to do it. You just have to say, okay, we're going to, what's the next thing? You know, what's the next thing I've got to do? I've got to get an e-commerce solution together. Let's look at Shopify or whatever. So, um, bottom line is review trends, look at their applicability and then be reasonable with yourself if you make a mistake and you need to pursue one or stop one, uh, as we go forward. All right. So awesome. Um, the show notes again are going to be at b50p.info forward slash UATTR 060. Uh, you can contact me and beyond 50% at any of the, uh, contact options over there. Leave a comment in the description or below the video if you've had an experience with any of this with some trends or if there's a trend you you didn't hear me talk about that you think is really going to be important um, share that with the community if you're watching live subscribe below 
Otherwise, if you're watching the replay, subscribe to the channel by clicking the logo in the center of the screen right there, uh, or ringing the bell to get note and ringing the bell to get notified when we get new content. On the far left, you'll see a list of up and to the right playlist uh, for binge watching all the episodes. Thanks again. It's time for me to get back to work.